Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me. Well, a number of you have emailed me over the years telling me that you really enjoy it when I talk about trips that I've been on or witnessing encounters that I have had, and so I thought we would take a little bit of a little bit of a hiatus for a couple of days here, two or three days. We'll see how it goes. And I uh, tell you about what was um, one of the one of the trips that really stands out in my uh, years of ministry thus far. Sometimes people ask me, "What's the the favorite trip? Your favorite trip that you've been on?" And and um, I, I guess if I if I had to choose, I'm glad I don't. But if I had to, I would uh, look back to the trip that I made to Uganda back in. Two thousand. Let's see. This is two thousand. It was two thousand thirteen because I I actually turned forty years old on the trip. So two thousand thirteen, and um, but that was four years ago. I haven't really talked much about that trip since then. So uh, what I thought I would do is uh, I know I have a lot of new listeners, or at least I hope I do, from four years ago, and so I wanted to share with you a little bit about this trip and introduce you to a friend of mine, brother in the Lord that you have heard me mention on this program many times before, but he is now going to join us, and you'll get to hear from him yourself. But my friend and brother in the Lord is Mike Miller. Uh, Mike is on my board of directors. He and Jim Osmond serve on my board, so I guess you could kind of say uh, Mike is my boss in a sense. But um, I really just uh, truly appreciate his friendship and and his service to the Lord and um, his help in my own ministry, but Mike and I went on this trip to Uganda together, and so I'm just going to take the next couple of programs to let you hear from Mike. And uh, Mike, are you there? Uh, I am. Thank you. Hey, brother. I'm here. Well, Hello. Well, Mike, it's it's great to have you with us, man. And um, just tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and and your family. Sure. I'd be happy to do that, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to be on the program and to, uh, to introduce myself a little bit. Um, I'm a, an accountant by trade. I'm a CPA by trade. Um, you know, by the grace of God, I uh, pastor a little church here in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, um, which by itself is pretty long. It's a pretty interesting story how that got started. Um, you know, father uh, of six, I've uh, been married... To, to carry for, oh, it's been 18 years, I think now. It's about 18, yeah, just about 18 years. So, um, and then, uh, you know, I've been a believer for, well, maybe a decade, maybe? Maybe a little longer? It's been longer than that. It runs together. I think yeah. once you hit 40, it all starts to sort of blend, and you can't really keep track of anything anymore. Um, that's just basic information about, about not much to say about myself um, okay. um you're married and you have how many kids six six kids all right six kids. Yeah, the more the merrier ranging um, in age from what uh, um my oldest is 20 
And then uh, Jacob is 17, Rebecca's 15, uh, Daniel's 13, Isaac's 12, 11. He's 11, and Kayla's 8. Yeah, 8 years old. I remember one of the first times Kathy and I came over to your house, uh, uh, your wee one was, uh, <laughs> she had seen us uh, or seen me on, on uh, TV cause he had one of my DVDs and she kept calling me Mr. <laughs> what Mr. Peters. And it was just, it was so cute. She was just precious. Yeah. No, so, she's a doll. She's eight years old yeah. now. Wow. Yeah. Man, yeah. I think when I first met her, she was gosh, four, I suppose. Is yeah. that right? Three, yeah. maybe three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Three or four. Yeah. Maybe three, maybe three. But, um, well, tell us, uh, give us just a little bit of information on how you said how your church came about is an interesting story in and of itself. Tell us just a little bit about that. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to do that. Um, Carrie and I are like a, are like a lot of new believers and we came to convictions about sin and, and came to faith in, in, you know, Christ dying for our sins as opposed to, you know, we both grew up nominal, very nominal, uh, Christians, uh, there was no repentance on my part. I was really, at one point, a complete agnostic. Gary kind of grew up sort of a Assembly of God, maybe Pentecostal sort of background. Um, came to save me faith from, from reading Scripture and coming under conviction. And then we drifted from church to church for a while. And um, one of the churches we went to, it's very illustrative, really, kind of the modern church I didn't really know much of anything other than the basics of the gospel. And um, within a couple of weeks, they were like, oh, you should teach here. And I was too I was too immature to know that was a dangerous and dumb idea. You know, so I agreed to it as a baby Christian. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's very dangerous for anybody to teach, much less uh, somebody who's really new in the faith. This was quite a few years ago. So I realized in that process I didn't know anything. And so I thought, well, I don't know anything. What am I going to tell these people? So I thought, well, I'll just go through verse by verse, and I'll just try to figure out what Paul was talking about. So that began my, you know, pilgrimage, if you would, into into theology and uh, having to wrangle through the scriptures and, and, and understand really beyond a superficial level, um, you know, what what the Bible is saying, and not just the basics of the gospel, but just in general the nature of God, the attributes of God, as the uh, the class, oh, this is ironic, as the class became more and more um, biblical and more focused on Scripture, I didn't know the term ex- expositional at the time. I had no clue what that meant. I was a total baby Christian. But as it drifted into more and more of a biblical framework, less and less people came. <laughs> so so I, was, um, I was really confused by that. And this was a very seeker-friendly church, kind of the modern, it's a Baptist church, but I call it Pentecostal Baptist, you know. Um, uh-huh. A lot of focus on you know tithing sermons and how you feel and meeting your felt needs and all that. Right. At one point, this church had a Mormon that was teaching a Sunday school class. I didn't realize he was a Mormon for like a decade, so it was nothing for them to have a novice believer like me teach a class. Okay, so let, let, let's let's let that sink in for a second. A Baptist. This was a Baptist church, right? Yes. And they had a Mormon teaching Sunday school. <laughs> That's correct. For years. Wow. For years, yeah, yeah. This was and this was years ago, but yeah, for years he was teaching there, and then finally one day he accidentally mentioned he was Mormon, and um, they sort of hush hushed it out of the church. So there's a lot of issues at that church. But I remember going to the pastor, and I'm like, you know, you know, I'm, as I, as I've become more uh, convicted about these different areas of scripture, and as we've gone deeper into, you know, what Paul was talking about, and 
how it should be applied. And as I'm reading more from other Christians in the past, less and less people were coming to this class. And, and he asked me, if, you know, well, he goes, are you guys tithing? And I was like, what? He goes, well, if you're not tithing, you know, God's not going to bless it unless you start tithing. Right. So at that point, Carrie and I started looking for another church because we, we knew that wasn't the issue. And um, I remember one time I sat down with the people in that class. I'm like, hey, you know, you know, what, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, why, why aren't you interested in this stuff? And they were like, well, you know, Mike, we already understand all the stuff about doctrine. We just want to get together and have donuts and talk. So Carrie and I started exploring, looking for for another church that was more serious. And we drifted to this one, um, another big Baptist church. And uh, about this time, um, I had first listened to uh, uh, a sermon by, by Paul Washer, and I'd listened to some sermons by Ray Comfort and a few others, and I'd come to conviction about, um, you know, sharing the faith at large. So I'd, I'd gone out a number of times and shared the gospel with people, and I'd seen God, you know, do some amazing, miraculous interventions on people that I had witnessed to that God brought, you know, on the street, just... God saved them, you know, broke them down over their sand, you know, right in front of me. And I really didn't know what I was talking about at the time, but I had a, I had enough information to share the gospel. And so finally at this church we were going to, this was another seeker-friendly Southern Baptist church with a lot of emphasis on on uh, felt needs, and you know, the whole invitational system was a big focus there. The pastor was very, uh, very much interested in Andy Stanley, you know, that was his big um, mentor, uh, oh. and, and, you know, Ergen Kainer, yeah, people like that. So um, I'd later found out that I could I could get at least a superficial feel for whether somebody was biblical. I'd find out if this guy liked him or not, and it usually uh, that would be an indication that there was, was not necessarily a very biblical teacher. Yeah. But in that process, um, I'd gone to that pastor, and I had said, you know what, because they're doing all these uh, discipleship classes, and... Uh, Nobody in the church was doing any evangelism uh, other than myself. And I said, well, I said, you know, you need discipleship classes. And they call it discipleship, but they'd have, like, a cool thing class and, you know, and a class on how to cook and, you know, a bunch of things other than discipleship. Nothing that was theological. It was all just, you know, uh, not much more than you would get out of a Masonic lodge. So I, I went to the pastor and, and I said, you know, what, what if we did an evangelism class? You know, just where we talked about people's experiences, maybe go out of groups, you know, we could witness uh, to people, you know, I had to explain to him, you know, I'd gone out a few times and I'd run into these folks and I'd share the gospel with them and things would happen. He goes, well, he goes, well, Mike, we can't do that here. He goes, we tried that. It's very controversial. I was like, why are you talking about it's controversial? And then he explained to me that he'd had this uh, deacon in their church who had gone at one point and uh, he had uh, preached the, the youth group. It was a youth group there were about I don't want to say 30 or 50 students or so, you know, and he just started preaching to them. That they were getting together for, you know, hot dogs or whatever, and they're at the church parking lot. He starts preaching to them, and a bunch of the, the youth came forward uh, convicted that they weren't even Christian. They didn't believe anything. They were unconverted people. I mean, over half the youth group came forward that they were unconverted and had never really understood or believed the gospel. And to the church, the pastor of this was very controversial. In reality, he should have been celebrating the fact that you know, this this one man had enough courage to, you know, to share the gospel with these, you know, these students were in the church not hearing the gospel, yeah. hearing everything else other than the gospel. But instead he got offended, that guy got ran out of the church, um, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, later on, providentially, I ran in, in, into that fella, 
and uh, we, we went on a set together a few times, and, and we drifted to this other church. I went to his church, and his church is a, you know, a small, very Calvinistic church, uh, very precise on doctrine. Um, we were there for a while, and then that's when I met this other fellow, Sean, and, and a few folks that, I, that you know, we've known since then. And, and, but despite the fact this church was biblical in terms of its doctrine, it wasn't biblical in terms of its practice. And there were there were there were oh. there was a, there were theological errors, significant ones. Like you know, we had an open theist lady teaching the Sunday school classes. We had women teachers. We had people that were big Dave Ramsey fans. We had people that were fans of uh, some prosperity gospel people. And um, as we went through, again, they, they put me in a discipleship class role with the older children. And as we went through the youth room, we were finding all kinds of heretical books of various types, and we brought it to the pastor's attention, and that began to sort of bring some controversy. You know, we were seen as, um, you know, as, as problem makers, and I'm like, yeah, we're not trying to cause a problem, just that you've got, you've got material here, we, the people we, we, we know renowned um, theological issues here, this needs to be addressed, you know, are they, who's teaching this to the, the people in this church? And uh, eventually got to a point where um, I'd come to conviction, along with uh, this other brother that uh, we we wanted to kind of get away from the age segregated model that's so popular in American churches, you know, where everybody splits up by age. You know, they have a children's church and they have five year olds in a class, and six year olds in a class, and all this. And I, I we said, well, can we just have a class where we have multi age? Everybody's together, and uh, that was like the the worst idea in their mind that we could ever do. Now we can't have that, Mike. It's so too controversial. I was like, okay, here we go, controversial again. So this other brother, he said, look, he goes, Mike, he goes, we need to, we need to leave. It's getting so bad. Uh, there's so much hostility and gossip in this church. We can't, you know, they're not, they're not walking the walk. And I said, look, you know, I don't want to leave another church, okay? I said, unless they do 40 days of purpose or something, I'm not leaving. And I'll be, yeah. lo and behold, the next week we got a 40 days of purpose thing <laughs> from the church. So it's kind of, you know, uh, yeah. that was interesting, uh, Providence. Yeah. So, um, we were in a position at that point, me and this uh, this other family, that we felt like, you know, we couldn't continue going here. We didn't want to go back to the secret friendly churches. We didn't want to go back to the Pentecostal Baptist church that we had before. You know, maybe this is the point where we need to plant. So we went through the process of forming and, and planting. And, and during that period of time, um, on social media, there was, I reached out to a lot of other believers. Um, you know, social media can be good or bad. And uh, one area that can be good is, you know, you can build contacts with people geographically that you would never come in contact with. And Bill, Pastor Bill, at that time, had also, they had come to conviction and planted a church. Um, and so we had a lot in common, and we began a dialogue and, and, and a friendship as co-laborers talking about, you know, challenges and theological issues and churches, church issues. And, and um, that, that's how I initially met Bill. We, I had the idea at the time, um, and, and we had done it a few times before, we would send gospel tracts to some of these churches overseas and try to, you know, give them some help to to share the gospel. Gospel track is a good tool for that. And I thought, well, we, there wasn't any in the, in the Gunda that were, that were very biblical, very precise, that didn't give a thorough explanation of the gospel. The ones that we found on the Gunda, were, which is the language there in the Gunda, were, were very, very... A superficial, you know, four spiritual laws type things, and so 
I, I had the idea with Bill, and I was like, well, what if I wrote a track, and you translate it into Lagunda and Swahili and French, and then we'll, we'll send it to churches over in Africa. We'll send some to you, we'll send some to a guy in Cameroon that we know, we'll send them, some to a, a guy in Kenya. And so Bill did that. He, he translated the tracks, and we printed a bunch up and sent them over there. And that co-laboring sort of in that process over about a year and a half or two years, we, we became really good friends. And um, so then I remember during that period of time, we, uh, me and my oldest, my oldest son, Jacob, who was pretty young at the time, we went to a, uh, we were uh, wretched radio, no, not a real thing, had a conference where you were invited as a speaker. This was, I can't even think how many years ago. Was it eight years ago? Something like that. Uh -huh. I don't know if you remember that. It, yeah. was, in, it was down in Plano. Plano. And, uh, uh, yeah, goodness. And I've done more than one. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it has been roughly eight years. Like 2009, yeah. was that? Something like that, yeah, probably. Yeah. So we thought, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go down there to the, I think Jacob will go to the conference. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the one former deacon that was a, a friend of mine at the time, you know, he, he was going, so... Me and a few of the other guys from that church gathered up, and we went down there. And um, one thing that had happened in my background, I mentioned before I was a very nominal Christian, is uh, my whole family, both sides um, of my family, extended family, had had deep roots within Assembly of God uh, movement. You know, um, they've been heavily influenced. They had been followers of prosperity gospel of various types. My the grandparents on the Miller side were, were followers of Jim Baker for a long period of time. They were a big supporters of the TVN. And on the other side, they were big followers of uh, Jesse Duplantis and Joel Osteen. And, I, and you know, as a non-Christian, non semi-agnostic syncretist that I was as a child, you know, where I would have told people I was a Christian but didn't believe the gospel, didn't know what I believed, yeah. I, I could see the errors in some of the prosperity preaching. And I couldn't really differentiate that much between that and biblical Christianity until I got older. When when I was saved, you know, it came to not only understand the gospel, but it came to convicted of my own uh, need for salvation. It became a lot more crystal clear, but I'd never heard um, a, a lucid uh, exposing of those doctrines in, in a succinct way. So I remember watching that seminar, I thought, wow, I, no, this is really great. I would love to send this video to my grandmother's, you know, get them to watch it and see if they disown me or not. But... <laughs> Uh, my family had been devastated, is the word I would use, devastated by the bad theology. Uh, that's endemic within the prosperity gospel, primarily on the healing part, but also on the financial part. And it, it, it's such a horrific distraction. So their salvation testimony would be based upon, you know, some experience that they had had, you know, some mystical experience, or uh, everything was a quid pro quo gospel. It was all based upon... Uh, you know, you speak in tongues and you're saved, or you do this, you send money to to Jesse Duplantis, and then God's going to give you a you know a new bed and a new furniture set for your house. And 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 I knew that wasn't, I knew even before I was a Christian that that wasn't very, that wasn't a sound doctrine. As a Christian, I'm absolutely convicted about it. And uh, so I was I was definitely intrigued because before, um, you know. I couldn't. I can't think of a single person I ever heard that really confronted that issue. And as I, and it really opened my eyes because you know Bill had mentioned before, and and, and Raju and these are guys overseas. And Raju was a guy, the pastor in India, Daoud in Pakistan, Christian friends that I had overseas. Uh, this stuff was everywhere. I mean, it was everywhere. Every country that 
I had a friend in, um, one of the biggest heresies that they dealt with was dealing with some of the popular um, uh, TV preaching. Right. So, um, you know, so we're, I was intrigued by it. And then after we planted, you know, the church um, went along for a while, and, and, you know, God had to, you know, do some pretty uh, uh, profound interventions to get us, um, you know, uh, focused in the right direction. It's not, we were in a difficult situation because, you know, most people that plant a church, they do it because that's their job. You know, they plant a church because they've gone to church planting school or something, and, you know, the church planters are, you know, that, that's the modern American way of planting churches. You know, a, a local church spins off another church maybe, or you have a professional church planter come in. And we, we, we weren't like that. We were more like refugees in China, we felt like, you know, where we had, you know, there was geographically nothing nearby that uh, we could in good conscience uh, go to. I mean, we could have drove two or three hours, you know, before we could find something that was biblical. So we yeah. felt like we had, we were doing it by necessity. And that, that changes the dynamic a little bit. Because then when you have necessity thrust upon you, it's not an occupational decision. It's not like, you know, let's plant a church because we want a job planting churches. It was, you know, we, we have families. We have our own souls um, uh, to give account for. We have this, uh, you know, we, we know in Scripture that, we, that we've got to be in, in fellowship and go through these things. And here we are in this place where it was, you know, the Tulsa area, you know, it's heresy central to, to a large degree. Right in a lot of areas, um, you know, it's it's one of the bastions of a lot of false doctrine, even amongst what would appear to be fairly conservative Baptist churches. Are, are in, you know, they're a lot of them are subverted by some of those doctrines. I mean, even going to Baptist church, you're going to hear the same quid pro quo, seeker friendly, uh, emotional appeal gospel uh, that you would in any Pentecostal church. So right. it was a necessity, and it, it, that changed the flavor of it, I think, from what people typically experience. Um, and, and looking back, God was behind it. Despite our immaturity, despite our flesh and our weakness, you know, he was, he was behind it for his own purposes, like he always does. He does, he does what he does because he's God and he has things he's working out. And uh, he qualifies people to serve, uh, you know, despite their flesh, despite, you know, their issues and, and in fact I think sometimes uh, you know, the weakness of that person uh, it becomes more obvious that he's the one that's doing it um, right so we, right. we planted and um, I remember we I'd seen um, this was quite a few years after that seminar that you done done in Plano where I'd seen you the first time but I, I had read on um, before Facebook kicked you off <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That you go to a local festival or something, you'd evangelize, you'd handing tracks out, and you were preaching. And, I, and me and my friend, uh, we were, you know, we were like, "Oh, that's pretty cool. We, we should invite Justin to come with us, you know, because we're he's in Edmond. Heck, we're right over here in, in the Tulsa area. We'll, we'll see if Justin will come join us. We're going to go evangelize a local festival, and it was a wellness festival, which was all the biggest people attending the wellness festival was the local um, hyper charismatic, you know, church that has you know these classes on." Uh, you know, how to heal people, like how to supernaturally heal a class, a discipleship class on how to supernaturally heal people. Right. And I'm thinking, man, that's supposed to be a depressing class to go to. <laughs> but, but, so we, we, that's when we first, uh, first should reach out to you. That and John Hagee. I'd reach out to you on a John Hagee question because, you know, I remember even as a non-believer reading John Hagee books 
And, and the reason why, you, as a non-believer, a non-believer can read John Hagee books is because you're never going to get convicted over your sin, and you're never going to hear the gospel reading John Hagee book. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. John Hagee appeals to maybe a little bit on the intellect side, the mystery kind of stuff, you know, that kind of mysticism stuff, and prosperity stuff, but right. nothing ever soundly biblical. And I remember, you know, I suddenly realized that John Hagee was a heretic one day. Hey, brother, you know, I, I really yeah. hate to, I don't want to interrupt this, but we are up against a hard break. We're going to have to oh, sure. wrap this up, but uh, we are going to record our second program as soon as we hang up with this one, even though it'll be uh, the next day when other folks listen to it. So uh, hold that thought, Mike, and we will come oh, back sure. no in our next program. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me, and uh, we will continue our, our discussion with Mike Miller. Lord willing, tomorrow. So until then, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.